It's time for John Paul, the car doctor, on North Shore 1049. Call today with your car questions, comments, or concerns. 1-800-370-1049. That's 1-800-370-1049. John Paul, the car doctor. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program. Hey, Biff, for some reason, I'm hearing me a lot. I don't know if that's something you can fix. Well, that did that. That made it perfect. Whatever you just did. See, you are the see you are the professional that you know we've always given you credit for. Well, when I break it, I try to fix it. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. And uh, and I, again, I want to thank Jimmy Carter for coming in doing the, doing the announcement. Him and I had a had a uh, a comical uh, Facebook conversation this morning. So uh, he uh, he's, uh, imagine he's he talking seen, to you on Facebook, yet he has time to come in here, do that know, opening, yeah, and then leave. I, and he never seems to sleep. He seems to be awake all the time. And he seems so. to be omnipresent. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. He, he certainly is. He certainly is. Uh, hey, um, there's a lot going on in um, the automotive world these days. People that went out to the New York Auto Show. And this is the first auto show in New York I haven't been to. Um, well, it was there hadn't been one for the last couple of years because of COVID. But prior to that, there was uh, always a... There was always an auto show in New York, and I always went. And this past auto show, I need to—I really need to talk to somebody who went because uh, it, it was really all about electric cars. But I also didn't see a lot of um, a lot of new products, and I don't know if not every manufacturer was there. So we'll we'll chat with somebody who went in the next couple of weeks to find out what's going on with the auto show in New York. But um, what people did see at the auto show in New York was a lot of electrification, a lot of electric cars. Uh, every vehicle manufacturer is either seriously considering it or they're all in with electric cars. Nissan just showed their new electric car. Uh, Matt Smith from Car Gurus, who's been on this program before, he was out in California driving the new Subaru electric car, and he said it is a Vermonter's dream. Uh, all electric and able to seemingly able to handle uh, bad weather. So uh, we're seeing more and more. We we have ordered electric trucks at work. Um, we've had we have also looked into ordering electric cars for our driving school. Uh, we have um, we're doing we're we're building portable electric vehicle charging units. So if an electric car runs out of electricity, we can show up and be able to charge that electric car so electrification is here but one of the questions that always comes up is is there really enough electricity to handle it all i think we've all heard about um you know rolling brownouts across the country in the middle of summertime and everybody's running their air conditioning and i remember years ago uh ford introduced the ford Focus electric car, and somebody from uh, the electric company was there, and they were talking about building the electric grid, uh, making it better and more robust. And this had to be 15 years ago. So, with us on the phone is Jake Navarro. He's the director of clean transportation products for National Grid. Jake, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John. Thank you for having me. So I guess the first question is, is there enough electricity to charge electric cars? I mean, right now there's only, you know, 2% of the market of cars is electric, but 
Um, I've made this uh, prediction, and I hate and I hate making predictions because there's no better w- way to be called a, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about than to put a date on something. But I said, you know, maybe in 25 years, electric uh, gasoline cars will be as rare as cars with a clutch pedal. So you know, even though electric cars are not super popular right now, in the next 10, 15, 20 years, it looks like they are going to become popular. Um, how is National Grid preparing for all of this? Well, it's, it's the right question to be asking because, as you said, the number of electric vehicles on the road today <clears throat> is quite low, but we're starting to achieve liftoff, right? The last few quarters have all been record sales for EVs, um, at least in our part of the country. And so, uh, you know, it, th- that low number of EVs on the road is going to really start increasing over the next few years. Um, the, the short answer to the question about is, is there enough electricity uh, available to fuel all of these EVs that are coming is yes. But it's, it's a complicated um, question because you have both generating enough electricity to fuel all of the EVs, but also getting that electricity from where it's generated to where people um, are actually going to be fueling their cars. And that's a combination of um, most of the charging will happen at home. You know, 80% of, of the electric vehicle charging will happen in people's homes. But there's also important uh, charging that's needed for public charging, publicly available charging, especially on highways. Um, there's also uh, fleet operators that will be charging their fleets of EVs. And so... National Grid is certainly making investments today and and planning for the future where there is much more EV penetration and there's much more electric infrastructure that will be needed in order to fuel those EVs. And when it when it comes to when it comes to all of that when it comes to infrastructure when it comes to you know getting ready uh you know I live in a I I just recently moved to a cottage and it has a um 100 amp electrical service. Now, if I was fortunate enough to go out and buy a Tesla or needed to add a 60 amp charging station on it, um, you know, it probably, you know, would probably overwhelm my little tiny electrical panel. And I'm not sure that the the street is capable of it. Is is are you looking at kind of building building up from like you said from where electrical generation starts right out to people's homes? Is that sort of how is that sort of how the plan works? Yeah, so there's, I think there's a number of factors that we're, we're looking at here. I mean, for your, for your cottage, you may need to upgrade your service in order to put in an electric vehicle charger. Um, and likely your, uh, the local distribution circuit that feeds your, your house will be able to, to handle that. Now, if every single one of your neighbors upgrades at the exact same time, then it might get in a situation where we need to upgrade that, um, that electric infrastructure. That's something we're always looking at, monitoring, and forecasting where we're going to start to see electric vehicles deploying so that we can make sure that we're providing that, um, you know, that safe, uh, resilient service. Where, where the, the infrastructure that we need to build starts to get a bit more significant, right, and a bit more um, complex is when we talk about the really high-speed charging, Right. So when we build the electric network, we really have to build it for that peak demand that we're going to get. You know, it's it's not um, as much about the, you know, the total amount of energy that's dispensed on the network. It, it's really about what's the maximum amount of, of demand for electricity that if we add up everybody, the, the network could see all at the same time. 
and we have to build the electric network for that peak um, that peak hour of the year um, that we might see. And so where a um, level two charger that you might have in your house uh, might create some need on the local distribution grid, likely it's not going to be super significant. On the other hand, if we look at a fast charger or a big bank of fast chargers that we might see at a highway rest stop, and we certainly anticipate those coming soon, or let's say an entire fleet uh, depot that's uh, a big fleet of electric transit buses, for instance, that's where we need to build some more significant uh, electric infrastructure in order to serve those locations. And so we're working with um, you know the companies that are going to be deploying these fleets and the organizations that might be building highway fast charging to get out ahead of that and build the infrastructure to, to, to serve them to make sure that we can, you know, uh, help keep up with this EV transition. Now, I think I remember, and this was probably a year ago, uh, maybe I saw you on television talking about pole-mounted EV chargers where kind of, you know, instead of a, a firebox mounted on a telephone pole, there could be an electric vehicle charger mounted on telephone poles, so more public charging could become more easily available. Is that do I remember that correctly? You do, and I'm I'm really happy to hear you uh, hear you bring it up. You know, I I think one one of the things that's really important to say right now is the, the biggest challenge um, that we actually see over the short term, the next few years for EV adoption in the EV market is not so much the impacts on the the, the electric. Uh, uh, the electric distribution grid, it's actually that not enough EV charging is going to get built because the business case for people to own EV chargers is not strong enough right now, right? You know, you in order to make it make sense for you to build an EV charger, there needs to be a lot of electric vehicles out there that are going to come charge at your charger and, um, and you know, come into your business if it's a retail uh, location or... Um, or pay you a higher rent if you're a multi-unit dwelling that's building EV charging. And right now, the EV um, deployment is quite low, right? And so we have this chicken or egg problem. Not enough people are building EV chargers because there's not enough EVs on the road. But also, we talk to our customers who are considering buying an EV, and a lot of people are scared to buy an EV because they don't see enough charging infrastructure out there. So there's a there's a chicken or egg problem. So one of the things that National Grid does, and other utilities do this as well, is we actually run programs that can help improve the business case for a an organization to build an EV charger. So what we'll do is we'll build or pay for some or all of the infrastructure um, that it, it takes to connect that EV charger to our electric grid. That can be a big portion of the project cost for a customer to build an EV charger. And so we can help improve uh, and lower the cost of that project by paying for some or all of that cost. That hopefully gets more EV chargers out there, which in turn gets more EVs on the road and improves the business case for EV chargers and creates a, a virtuous cycle. Um, the pole-mounted chargers is one great example of this. We have a really great um, pilot program that we partnered with the city of Melrose on to deploy 15 of these uh, chargers. They're uh, over 10 feet up on utility poles. And this is the first time this technology has been deployed east of the Mississippi. Um, one of the things we like about them is that they're much less expensive to install because you're not um, uh, creating a, uh, you know, a pad-mounted pedestal where you have to um, uh, break up asphalt or break up uh, uh, sidewalks. Um, they're just much simpler. The electric uh, 
uh, infrastructure to serve that charger is right there on the pole. And so um, we really like that as a potential uh, option for on-street uh, on-street parking, being able to fuel vehicles on the street. Um, but that's just one example of the kinds of technologies that we can deploy to get more electric vehicle chargers out there. Now, I remember years and years ago, you couldn't actually kind of resell electricity in other words if i put an electric charging station in um i couldn't sell the electricity to somebody who needed it has have those rules changed or is it i i know i have a i have uh, an app uh ev go and and uh blink and i think i have a third one in case i'm driving an electric vehicle and i need to recharge somewhere um but how do can can People actually can can say a landlord resell their electricity to a tenant when it comes to charging yeah. their car. Yes, absolutely. So, so charging station owners can charge for the for the service that they're offering uh, for EV charging. Um, that's something that we we see for most um, you know organizations or companies that are deploying those level two chargers. Which again, that's those are the chargers that take hours to charge versus minutes to charge. Um, mm-hmm. Some of those are still free that are that are out there. Some people choose to charge for them. It's not typically a money making opportunity to um, to charge people for that level two charging. Essentially, the way uh, you know it works is you know you recoup some of the cost of of the electricity. So it's a um, you know you maybe uh, end up uh, balancing out the cost of the electricity. And then, you know, you, you gain on your business model because you have more people coming into your store or you have, uh, again, tenants who are willing to pay a higher, uh, a higher rent because they have that amenity in a multi-unit dwelling or you have stronger employee retention, uh, if you're deploying these at a, at a workplace, for instance, where we do see people potentially, um, building a business model out of, uh, out of actually selling the charging as a service is with that fast charging because you can just dispense much more electricity, much more quickly with those fast chargers. And so there are uh, companies out there that are um, looking to build a business around selling charging through those fast chargers. Yeah, I was, uh, somebody called me one day and they wanted to know, they wanted, they, they found a, um, a company that sold portable level three charging units and they were trying to make a business case out of putting it in the back of a van and showing up at people's, you know, businesses or homes and doing a quick recharge and, you know, essentially giving them a, you know, full tank of electricity in, in you know, 10 minutes and for people that didn't have it. Uh, the problem is it was, I think it was a $40,000 portable unit or something. So the idea that there's going to be more of these um, level three fast charges around, uh is 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 good for everyone and you know people look at electric cars and and i know people are concerned about you know what what happens if i run out of electricity and it seems to be the only people that worry about running out of electricity are the people that don't have electric cars because uh, at AAA, my full-time job you know we do tow electric cars from time to time but it's usually because of a mechanical breakdown it's not because they ran out of electricity because most everybody with an electric car starts off the day with essentially a full tank of electricity so you know their batteries are fully charged so the idea they're going to go more than two or three hundred miles in a day is pretty unlikely so um but the idea of having the 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 infrastructure out there to charge 
any place other than home sounds like a great idea. Absolutely. And, and we hear the exact same thing, right? Once people have a lot of apprehension before they get in an EV, but once they actually get it, they realize um, that it's, it's very, it's very usable. You know, you only really need to, uh, that public charging and that fast charging for those couple times a year you take a long road trip for most people, right? And for the most part, you're going to be able to um, fuel up entirely in your own garage or your own driveway. Um, so it's it's really exciting to hear that um, that folks are having a good experience for the most part with EVs as they uh, as they actually um, start driving one. And uh, some time back, I interviewed somebody from uh, Quebec Hydro, and they were trying to bring a transmission line from Quebec through, I guess, Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont into Massachusetts um, to provide even a, a, a more robust source of electricity rather than coal generation or natural gas or nuclear or other ways we're going to make electricity. Is that also part of the future? Is that um, is um, is more green energy part of the the future of making making enough electricity? No question about it, right? The the energy grid, uh, the electric grid is going to get uh, cleaner and cleaner as, as time goes by. Eventually, it's going to be completely uh, net zero and, and fossil free. But I think it's important to, to note, even today, um, driving an electric vehicle is cleaner than driving a gasoline vehicle, even though some of the electricity that we um, that we use to fuel that vehicle is generated by fossil fuels. So... I think, you know, um, as of maybe last year, uh, the equivalent for a gasoline vehicle is you'd need to be able to get uh, more than 120 miles per gallon uh, for a gasoline vehicle in order to be cleaner than, um, than an electric vehicle, given the, inter- the, the electricity mix that we have in New England. And that electricity mix is only getting cleaner over time. So there's, there's an advantage um, in terms of environmental impacts by switching to an EV um, right now, and that's only going to improve over time. Yeah, I remember talking to somebody from uh, Ford, the uh, woman, I can't remember her name right now, and she's the vice president of sustainable energy for Ford, and she said, yeah, you know, from, from kind of cradle to grave, uh, an electric car may, you know, initially may not be as clean because of production and generation and all that, but by year five, six, or seven, depending on how it's driven, the numbers start to go the other way, and an electric car becomes much cleaner through its lifespan than a gasoline car does. So certainly, you know, from the, you know, from day one, maybe electric cars don't look as clean, but, but on, you know, day, you know, 2000, all of a sudden cars become cleaner and cleaner. Um, so it sounds as if we're in pretty good shape. It sounds like the grid is is able to handle it. There is enough generation in the background to be able to handle it. Um, we're, we're getting close to running out of time here, but uh, is the future looks electric? Certainly, um, is there is there anything that you know big businesses can, and consumers can do to sort of help with all of this to get it to to get it to work even better? Absolutely. So I think, you know, the, the, we're, even though we are starting to see liftoff, we are still very much at the early stages of this transition, right? Uh, one to 2% of the vehicles on the road are electric. And so on the business side, 
building EV charging is a, is a huge difference maker, whether you're building that for your employees, whether you're electrifying your own vehicle fleet, um, or whether you're, uh, you know, a, a, a customer-facing business that might be putting in EV charging for your customers. That will make such a big difference. You know, the um, Massachusetts today, we have about 50,000, 50 to 60,000 electric vehicles on the road. The state's goal is to get to 300,000 by 2025, so that's a huge increase. And then the state's goal in 2030 will be significantly higher than that, you know, between 750,000 and a million vehicles. Um, and so I, I would just encourage businesses, you know, to work with their utilities uh, around the potential to build EV charging. And then for customers, for consumers who are out there, just consider an EV. You know, it's, as you've said, John, it's, it's much more, uh, it's a much better experience than I think some people um, uh, believe it will be. And most people who, who drive an EV um, end up having a really, really positive experience. And a lot of the concerns that they had before they bought the car um, end up being not a big deal. Yeah, it really is. I mean, my boss at work, who was a little bit skeptical, just recently started to lease a Tesla Model 3, put a home charging unit in. And uh, and I, I don't know if this if this makes you cringe or not. He's putting solar voltaics on his house, so he's like, I'm going to bring my electric rates down. Now, uh, do solar panels on houses, is that something that appeals to National Grid? Do you, do you like the idea of people putting more electricity back into the grid? Absolutely. We, we love to hear that, right? That's, that's another thing that can contribute to a, a greener uh, grid. And if you're putting that solar uh, energy directly into your vehicle, um, even better, right? So that's absolutely something that um, makes us uh, excited to hear more people are, are able to do. So you don't consider the sun competition then, huh? <laughs> no, no. You know, and, and National Grid, for the most part, does not generate electricity, right? For the most right. part, what we do is distribute the electricity. We transport it from one place to another. And so, you know, in terms of uh, the, the generation itself, um, that's a positive thing, that there's more of that happening on uh, more locally on our grid. There you go. Hey, Jake, if people want to find out more information about uh, clean transportation products, more about National Grid, uh, where can they go? How can they find out more information? Yeah, if people go to nationalgridus.com, we have a lot of uh, information out there about uh, our EV programs and, and the other things that we do as well. There you go. Hey, Jake, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Saturday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program. Of course, anytime. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. That was Jake Navarro. He is the Director of Clean Transportation Products for National Grid. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. And if you would like to join us, our phone number is 800-370-1049, 800-370-1049. Phone lines are open if you'd like to give us a call and chat about your car, car problems, electric cars, whatever's on your mind. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. We'll be right back.
Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. Professional builders and remodelers choose Anderson Windows more than any other brand in the United States. They do so because Anderson Windows and Patio Doors offer beautiful natural wood interiors, low-maintenance exteriors, and outstanding energy efficiency. See the complete line of Anderson Windows at any of our three locations in Beverly, North Reading, or Plastown, New Hampshire, or at MoynihanLumber.com. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. We have 24-7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. We have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels, and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at AAA.com slash join. That's AAA.com slash join. Anglin Volkers is the North Shore's premium global real estate provider, representing buyers and sellers of fine properties right here at home. I'm Karen Hansen, licensed partner at Anglin Volkers. These past two years have provided extraordinary and unusual opportunities for those looking to make a move. If your life is beckoning you towards a new adventure, we would be honored to assist. Cottager Castle, suburbs to the sea, there has never been a better time to live your luxury. Find us online at buythesea.evrealestate.com. How do you give hope to a child in the foster care system? It starts with your heart. That tug you feel on yours when you hear that children are waiting for a stable, loving voice to speak up for their best interests. And then it becomes your time. What started out as a feeling that maybe you could make a difference becomes the difference. Change a child's story. There is a child waiting for a volunteer like you. Learn how you can become a court-appointed special advocate at EssexCountyCasa.org. Give your mother the gift of warmth this Mother's Day with a gorgeous new fireplace insert. You can beautify an old wood fireplace that is no longer used, or you can add the beauty and warmth of a fireplace where there was no fireplace at all. Heat and Glow has a clean, easy-to-use fireplace for you. Stop by Fire Element on Route 1 North in Saugus and choose from their large selection of beautiful gas fireplaces. Do something really special for your mom this Mother's Day. Details at FireElement.com By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of a new LG Laundry Pair with Turbo Wash 3D that provides a powerful yet gentle clean in just 29 minutes. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Save up to $700 on LG Laundry with your choice of top load or front load LG high capacity laundry pairs. At the Home Depot. Valid April 21st to May 11th. U.S. only gas dryer extra. Wasp by glass. See store for details. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on North Shore 104.9. My name is John Paul. This is the where you get to talk about cars, car-related stuff. Uh, if you've noticed, we haven't done a car review in a while. We, uh, you know, in my in my winter location here, I've had a few review cars, but not that many. So, uh, but we'll, uh, you know, we we still try to stay on top of the newest products, like you know what's coming out from. Uh, Various various car manufacturers and all that sort of stuff. So we'll try to keep informed the best we can. Uh, 
And uh, our phone number again is 800-370-1049, 800-370-1049. And let's talk to our buddy Paul from Braintree. Paul, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm sniffling here with allergies. I'm fine. So bear with me. Uh, the, um, oh. yeah, it's, it's, anyway, it is what it is. The, um, uh, thanks for your comment on the uh, 56 Studebaker Golden Heart thing is absolutely, you said you saw one. Oh. Posted on Facebook. I, 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 I saw I saw one and uh, uh, they're, they're just a they're uh, they're just a fantastic looking car and I've seen a I've seen a couple of them in the last year or so one of them was absolutely completely stock and one they put uh, they, they changed the wheels and tires on it and I didn't really like the yeah. wheel and tire profile they had but the lines of the car it it is just you know, you know. Uh, I think it was last week we had uh, we had the designer from Chrysler on the program, right. and we talked about timeless design. And uh, you know, something like the the uh, Golden Hawk, absolutely in my mind, timeless design. Just yeah. it's something that sort of sticks with you, and you look at it, and you go, you know, you know, it's it's that sort of look that um, will never go out of style. Absolutely. You wonder why? I wonder how many they sold and. Why Studebaker isn't in business anymore? Uh, would you look at that? But you know, probably management problems be behind that. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, you, know, you, you think about the car business. You know, yeah. But you think about the car business, and you look back at all the different car companies, and how many of them actually went out of business over the years? You know, if you know, you you start at the early 1900s, and you kind of look right up until you know current. And if you look at you know things like you know, Mercury and Pontiac and, right. you know, and, and Oldsmobile. And, well, Packard uh, kinda, used and, to be like the Cadillac, the, beyond Cadillac. Yeah. That's gone. Because I married a Studebaker. Yeah, I, yeah. And, yeah, and and most of them ended up, you know, in bankruptcy at some point. And you kind of wonder, how could that happen? They made, you know, and they made good products. So how did it happen? Well, who knows? I would, yeah, it, uh, I was going to make a radio analogy sometimes, so, uh, Radio programmers and radio management are on the, on the same uh, frequency, pun intended, and, uh, you know, one leads to the downfall of the other, and it's usually not in programming. Anyway, uh, I, I did call, try to get back on topic about the electric cars. I, I, I see the ad for the Lucid uh, all the time, and so yep. I Googled it. You know, it, it's to me $139,000, um, according to the... Google, it, I saw, and apparently they were a battery. It is. It is. It, it, it's one hundred and thirty-nine thousand, but they start. They start at seventy-nine thousand. And okay. why you're seeing the ads all the time is because uh, Lucid just opened, uh, and they don't call them showrooms. I forget studios or something. Yeah. And they just opened one in the seaport, and ah. they just opened. I think it was last Friday they opened it. So. Um, but their top of the line model, that hundred and thirty, forty thousand dollar model, has a six hundred mile range. Wow! So it's a, it's a, and they, um, from what I understand, some of their engineering employees all came from Tesla. So they have, you know, they brought that with them. It's a, it's a pretty phenomenal car, and you know, I think the seventy nine thousand dollar one still has something like a 400 mile range so mm. we are starting to see range extended and we are starting to see more more and more electric cars um 
the uh, uh, somebody who's been on this program before, Zane Merver. He runs uh, he runs a, a GM website, uh, uh, GMTrucks.com. Uh, he got confirmation that his uh, Hummer, electric Hummer, is is in production, and he should be, and he should be getting it soon. So uh, when when he uh, when he gets that in, we'll have to we'll have to talk to him about that. But he uh, he ordered it as soon as the order became available, and where he runs the largest um, GM enthusiast website, I guess he he made it to the top of the ordering list uh, and and ordered one. So. Um, and, and yeah, probably well, lucid, some way to deduct looks, it on his taxes. It looks nicer time. than a Tesla to me, which yeah, is a fine, fine automobile. But as to automobile design, it kind of leaves me cold. But the the, uh, the Lucid, it, it it looked like someone really thought about how to design it a little bit more. Um, they don't always show you yeah, the greatest I'm, pictures. In the, I mean, it is. It, it, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it yeah. is interesting. Some people have a problem with buying an electric car from a tech company versus buying an electric car from a car company. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've talked to people who said, I don't think I'd ever buy a Tesla because, um, you know, they might they might be good at their technology, um, just like Apple's good at making phones, but I don't know if I want Apple to build a car for me. I think I'd rather have Ford build a electric car for me than have Apple build an electric car for me, mm -hmm. so... Well, probably, you know, be interesting you know to see. we talked about cars that don't exist anymore. And probably back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, uh, there were a lot of small car manufacturers that really got the wheels moving of cars, but they're no longer there. I mean, they, they lived yep. for a short time and disappeared. That may happen to the Teslas and the Lucids and the others as uh, the big guys really step in. Uh, General Motors, in particular. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, I would, it, it it could be. I mean, other than other other than Elon Musk has more money than anybody on the planet, well, so I think that well, helps, he buys GMs, helps he quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it was it was sort of um, it was sort of interesting. You know, this was I don't know, twenty years ago when Tesla was. Um, you know, didn't even really have their own car. They they took a Lotus and they they put batteries in it. And uh, and Fisker had an electric car. And I remember t talking to someone and saying, you know, I think we're we're going to look back in 50 years and say uh, we're going to look at Fisker and Tesla as the tucker of the electric car builders. And they had a good time. They made a few cars. They made some money, and they became a page in a history book. And you know, I might have been right with. Fisker, at least at the beginning, although Fisker now has uh, two two models that are going to become available soon: the Fisker Ocean and the Fisker Pair, I think. And uh, uh, and the Ocean is in the forties, and they're hoping their newest vehicle, the Pair, and I guess that's a I, I don't know if that's an inside name or not, but they they hope that that's going to be a sub thirty thousand dollar electric car with a good range. So maybe you know it, it certainly sounds like. Electric cars are here to stay, and if Jake Navarro from National Grid is correct yeah. that there yeah. um, there is the infrastructure available and everybody can charge up. I, I always go back to years ago when people had regular televisions, and somebody in the neighborhood got a big screen TV, and you went over and you watched a movie or a baseball game, and you're like, you know, I'm getting one of those. And you spent, you know, crazy money, you know, $3,000 yeah. on a television. So you could have a big screen TV. And then one of your neighbors came over and said, wow, 
Look at that TV. I, I got to get one. Next thing you know, everybody in the neighborhood had a big screen TV. And the same thing kind of happens with electric cars. Somebody in the neighborhood gets an electric car. You go out for a ride and you go, wow, this is pretty impressive. And I don't have to go to the gas station and it never needs an oil change. And, you know, maybe every three years, if it, depending on the car, I have to change the coolant for the batteries. Pretty inexpensive to own. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, you buy one and then one of your neighbors, I think a good example is, um, this was probably a year or so ago, and it, I remember it was January. It was January or so, and I was driving through the South Weymouth Naval Base complex over there, where right, all the yeah. apartments and condos are. And it was a nice day, and there was a lot of garage doors open, and it was sort of in the younger section of the, you know, where people seem to be in their twenties, thirties, and forties. Right, I've been there. Right. And I got tired. I got tired of counting Teslas. Wow. You know, I, I think I was up to about 10. And I'm like, yeah. I've never seen so many Teslas in one little area. And all I can imagine was because somebody said, these are pretty, this is pretty good. And I, I, I can put a, I can put a charging box in my garage and, and I start the day with a full electricity when I actually need to drive and, or I, or when I don't, I just jump out on the T out front. Um, makes it pretty easy for people. So well, who knows? I think I've told the story before. Uh, when I was a kid, the, the, the house my, my parents, Watt was over 100 years old uh, now, and it had its own gas pump in the garage. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know. I guess, you know, back in the, I don't know when it was built, the early 20s probably, uh, yeah, probably they yeah. weren't that readily available. No, you know? no. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, your your guest guess from National Grid was interesting. Uh, what about when there are wires are underground? I mean, there aren't any poles. Uh, um, that's where I am right now. Um, I'm in a condo complex, yep. and um, there are uh, charging stations here, as far as I know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, I guess they have to build individual ones uh, at, at some point. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think and, it's and, true. And someday, yeah. someday you're going to be able to charge um, while you're driving. You'll be able to drive over a certain road. Certain roads will have inductive charging so as you're driving oh, wow. over the road you'll actually be putting there's a there's a i think a mile long strip of roadway in michigan that they're testing that technology right now so amazing yeah well, it is must, yeah it's gonna be the, it's the future another great show i'm sure there are other people all who right. want to get on and i i will move on thank you very much all right all right thanks paul take care bye-bye <laughs> bye-bye you Bye. as well we need to take another break. Paul is right. I'm sure there's other people who want to get on. And if you're one of them, give us a call at 800-370-1049, 800-370-1049. When we get back, we're going to talk about uh, not your grandfather's microbus, the new Volkswagen ID Buzz. Uh, I remember seeing the prototype more than 10 years ago at the New York Auto Show and or maybe the Detroit Auto Show. I don't remember which. And uh, finally, it looks like it's on its way. You're listening to the Car Doctor program on North Shore 1049. Our phone number again, 800-370-1049. We'll be right back. Mark your 
calendars. Funday Sunday's Beverly Bootstraps Thrift Shop Sale is this Sunday, April 24th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The shop will be filled with specially selected and unique items, making for a fun shopping experience at 198 Rantoul Street. All merchandise has been generously donated by the community and proceeds benefit Beverly Bootstraps' much-needed programs. Details at beverlybootstraps.org. This message is brought to you by Marblehead Bank, helping to lead the North Shore to financially sound futures. Hi, it's Ann from Periwinkles, inviting you to stop by our cafe located in the Vinant Square area on the Salem-Swamscott line for breakfast, lunch, or to pick up a dinner to go. At Periwinkles, we make everything every day. We're known for our abundant sandwiches, our delicious homemade soups. My mom would always say, keep it simple, keep it fresh. Our menu changes every week, so to view our specials, go to periwinklesinc.com. Or come by 540 Loring Avenue. Open Tuesdays through Saturdays and check out their Mother's Day brunch to go. Just heat and serve. Do you or someone you know need assistance with a Medicaid application? Hi, I'm Darcia Tremblay, owner of Silver Lining Solutions. We specialize in guiding you through the Medicaid application process. The MassHealth application process is complicated. Our caring expert team will meet with you one-on-one to provide personalized service for a flat fee. Take the worry out of the Medicaid application process. Call us today at 978-887-1100 or silverliningsolutions.com. That's silverliningsolutions.com. And now a small business setback, delivered by a kind French stranger. Uh, monsieur, there was an accident. The windshield of your catering van is, uh, how do you say, kaput? But progressive has an extensive network of repair shops. Now, we think about the old days. Bravo Marin, revient de guerre. When things go wrong with your small business, it's comforting to know you have Progressive Commercial. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at progressivecommercial.com. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark Rosenthal. Here is your North Shore. One zero four nine forecast serving the North Shore in the Merrimack Valley. Lots of sun today. There'll be some patchy clouds this afternoon. It's mild, low in mid sixties. Clouding up overnight. Cooler, low forties as winds turn northeast. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, much colder. Forty five to fifty two. Monday, of course, we go back to work and school with sunshine, blue sky, low in mid sixties. Then wet weather comes in here on Tuesday. Forecast being brought to you by the Berry Tavern in Danvers. The Berry Tavern is open every day for lunch and dinner. The Berry Tavern offers takeout, ordering curbside pickup and delivery to local delivery companies. Call the Berry Tavern, 978-777-BERRY. For local North Shore, 1049, I'm Mark Rosenthal. Welcome back. So, Biff, what's the deal with all the uh, '50s music? I don't know. I, on the on the way in, I had I I heard a '50s song or a '60s song, and I said, I think I'm going to torture John with that today. And I listen. You know, of and, and, the, and I uh, listen. The, the, the Bristol Stomp. You know, uh, the lyrics of that. You know, hot as a pistol. You know, when you do the Bristol Stomp. You know, it, it, you know the the rhyming is is uh, you know. Pretty creative there. Well, I mean that 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 era that they were outstanding at rhyming. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what they did. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, when, that's, people, yeah when, that's when people say they don't 
They don't. They don't make songs with meaning anymore. <laughs> they, you just have to go back and listen to that. Yeah, I mean, just huh. listen to the lyrics yeah. of Bristol yeah. Stomp, and you and yeah. you understand what songs with meanings mean. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> if that means anything. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, let's talk to Mike and Hingham. I yeah, think let's that's do that. Idea. Michael, are you ever going to give up your Mazda or your Lexus for an electric car? Uh, yes, absolutely. Really, really. When the time is right, probably. Uh, about 2025, I'm, I'm guessing, is when I'll do that. Well, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. My my boss, who, you know, asked me about electric cars once, and I said, you know, right now, and he actually took my advice. I was, you know, strangely shocked. Um, he took my advice, and, and I said, don't, you know, don't buy an electric car right now. Lease one. And I'm not a big leasing person. Uh, I don't, um, the idea of, to me, a lease means you just have car payments for the, the rest of your life because you've never you never get out from under it. Um, but I said, you know, with the technology changing so fast right now, electric vehicles. I don't know that I would rush out and buy one today because in three years you might find out. Oh, the one I bought, my Ford Mustang Mach E, has a two hundred and thirty-five mile range, but the twenty twenty-five model has a six hundred mile range, which makes mine kind of you know, an antique and nobody wants to buy it. So I think leasing one would make more sense. And I think you're right. In 2025, when there's more places to charge, um, it becomes more common. You know, at some point, though, the state and every state is going to have to come up with, well, if people aren't buying gas and there's no gas tax and the gas tax isn't fixing the roads, um, we got to tax the electricity differently and it'll be some sort of per mile fee, I would assume. Yeah, I think that the also the depth of the gasoline internal combustion engine is overrated. I think where they're going to be around a little bit longer than people think they, you know, they are for sure. Oh, I I I agree. I think there's, you know, as much as you can build a, you know, Tesla just announced that their, um, you know, their sports car, and uh, uh, I know somebody who actually put a deposit on it three years ago. And, uh, you know, it's a $250,000 sports car. It goes zero to 60 in, you know, one point, you know, six seconds or some crazy number. And, um, but the idea of a electric Corvette or an electric, um, you know, Dodge Charger or an electric, you know, performance car, I think gasoline cars, people still like the sound of, a gasoline car. They like the sound of the exhaust. They like, they like, you know, kind of everything that goes into it. So I think you're absolutely right. The death of the electric car is is uh, a little bit exaggerated right now, still. So that's why I think maybe in 25 years it might be a different story. But I don't think, you know, in 2030 everybody's going to be driving electrics. I don't think that's going to be the case. Hey, well, let me get into my question. But first, before I do that, I just put a new nice sounding exhaust system on the Miata. So you're right. The sound, turn off the radio and listen to the muffler. I love it. That's right. Mufflers, yeah? Yep. Love it. But uh, here's my question. Uh, President Biden, in an effort to increase uh, gas supplies, has announced they're going to increase the amount of alcohol from 10 to 15%. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> okay. Um, here's here's why. Here's here's why. Here's why I think um, ethanol has less energy. When, ethanol, when used in a regular car today, has less energy, so you get less miles per gallon. 
Um, the other issue is in warm weather and, and, and um, you know, President, you know, President Biden's trying to do everything to try to ease gas prices. So this was one way. Um, the um, ethanol tends to evaporate more in heat. And the idea is they're going to try to do this over the summertime. So, you know, all of a sudden now it becomes more of a transportation issue because ethanol evaporates quicker. Um, this, the other part of it is that, you know, it's, I guess, no secret now that, you know, I'm in my tin shack in Florida here. And there is a, there is a racetrack gas station. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's two gas stations right near each other. One's a Murphy's and one's a racetrack. Murphy's actually sells a... Uh, 91 octane, no ethanol gas for, they call it recreation fuel. And then at the racetrack, they sell an 88 octane, 15% ethanol gas now. And, um, uh, you know, the, the other part of it is there's not that many cars that can actually run, you know, look at, look at the owner's manual of the cars that you own, and it says do not use gasoline with an ethanol content of higher than 10%. So yeah. there isn't, you know, you can't use it in every single vehicle, and ethanol doesn't doesn't like small engines very well, so that's not good. So it's not a good lawnmower gas. And the other thing is, um, I, it was probably ten years ago. I was um, I, I went on a cheap vacation to a place called Puerto Morales in Mexico. It's sort of near, in between Cancun and the Maya Riviera. And the hotel we were staying at, there was a corn convention. And the only reason I knew it was a corn convention because it was corn stalks all over the place. And I was talking to some guy who was there and, you know, and, you know, the tourists look like tourists. You know, they're in T-shirts and flip-flops and shorts. And this guy's wearing, you know, long, long sleeve shirt and pants. And i staring at this pop-up sign. And I said, uh, uh, you know, I kind of understand some of these words. And uh, I said, but, you know, my Spanish answered how to order beer and ask where the bathroom is. And he laughed, and and I said to him, you know, what do you do? And he said, I'm a I'm a, a corn farmer. He said, you know, we we, you know, we process corn into all kinds of stuff. And I said, uh, I see everything on here, you know, you know, food and this and this, but I don't see fuel. And he goes, we would never use corn to make fuel because we use corn for everything else. Corn sustained life, fuel doesn't. He said, we can deal with it. We'll, we'll figure out where fuel comes from. So the idea of making, you know, ethanol out of corn, he said to me, just makes no sense. Now, if you could make it out of seaweed or switchgrass or garbage, that's a whole different story. But to make it out of corn is just dumb. And, uh, and I always remember those. I always remember him saying that to me. I said, you know, he's right. You know, you know, because, you know, how much stuff do you eat that has some, you know, form a corn product in it a lot. And, you know, do you really want to make gasoline out of that when, you know, when you can make food out of it? It makes more sense to make food. I agree 100% what you said. Yeah. That was my follow-up question. I'm glad that you pointed that out. So if you answer my question, I'll have to watch the gas signs to make sure that I'm not putting yeah. any more than 10% in my, yeah. my cars. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I remember years and years ago, I had a guy on my program that claimed that, you know, ethanol was going to end, you know, end all the problems in the world. And he said, all GM has to do is reprogram their car's computers and they'll run fine on ethanol. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I go by the manufacturer. If the manufacturer says don't put more than 10% in, I don't think you should put more than 10% in. That's my thoughts, at least. So, I, Michael, I always a pleasure. 
Thank you very much for taking All right. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 800-370-1049, 800-370-1049. We need to take our last break of the hour. If you would like to join us, we have a couple lines open still, 800-370-1049. We'll be right back. Interested in earning over $23 per hour? The Cape Ann Transportation Authority is looking for safe and courteous part-time and casual bus operators with starting wages of $22.75 per hour. More after six months. A CDL is preferred, but paid training is available. Weekday and weekend work is available, and part-time drivers may be eligible for vacation and holiday pay, medical and dental insurance, and a 401k plan. Applicants can find details online at cannntran.com. That's C-A-N-N with two N's, tran.com. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. We have 24-7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. We have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels, and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at AAA.com slash join. That's AAA.com slash join. Mark your calendars. Monday, Sunday's Beverly Bootstrap Thrift Shop Sale is this Sunday, April 24th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The shop will be filled with specially selected and unique items, making for a fun shopping experience at 198 Rantoul Street. All merchandise has been generously donated by the community and proceeds benefit Beverly Bootstrap's much-needed programs. Details at beverlybootstraps.org. This message is brought to you by Marblehead Bank, helping to lead the North Shore to financially sound future. If you're a people person looking for employment, Braga Management in Gloucester is hiring multiple positions at Azorian Restaurant and Bar, Braga Petroleum, and seven Dunkin' locations. All Braga stores offer full and part-time positions with plenty of available hours. If you're 16 and up, Braga has after-school and weekend shifts, paid training available for servers, food prep, sandwich makers, and sales associates. Join a great team at Area Braga Businesses. Pick up an application at any store, the Azorian, or visit bragamanagement.com. Lionwa Auto Group is now hiring. There are dozens of employment opportunities available in any of their eight dealerships located in Peabody, Burlington, Nashua, and Bedford, New Hampshire. Consider a position as an entry-level or experienced technician, sales or sales support, finance, valets, and more. Lionwa Auto Group is an award-winning dealer group who gives back to the communities in which they serve. Join the Lionwa team where employees are valued and recognized. For more details, visit lwagcareers.com. That's lwagcareers.com. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on North Shore 104.9. Uh, let's go right to Jim and Woburn. Jim, good morning. Good morning, fellas. 
first-time caller and a first-time listener. I just happened to be channel surfing, and I caught you guys. <laughs> so I, I had a quick question for you. It, it really was that Bristol Stomp song you heard. That made you stop, right? right. Yeah, that, was, yeah. that definitely was. <laughs> yeah. But my wife has a 2019 Toyota Camry, and the three-year lease at 12000 a year, or 36000 for the three years, is expiring this August. Yep. What are your thoughts about uh, possibly buying that car? The buyout would be, I think, it's four, I think it's roughly fourteen eight plus the sales tax would bring it to like fifteen five or fifteen six. It has right now twenty nine thousand miles on it, and you know it, we've taken good care of it in the sense of having the oil changed every whatever five or seven or eight thousand miles, whatever it is. So I just was wondering I, what you thought. I would buy it in a heartbeat, only because if you well, is it a twenty seventeen or eighteen? What year is it? It's a nineteen. 19. So um, I think what you're going to find out is that, you know, when they came up with the price of that car um, three or four years ago, you know, with the residual value and, and what you're buying it for um, yes. is way off compared to car prices today. The average 2019 Camry for sale with like 30,000 miles on it is selling for twenty six dollars or $27,000. Right. That kind of reinforces what I was thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She thinks she's thinking about leasing another car. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. You know, we're getting along in years and she's she was a realtor but she's had health issues so therefore she's not gonna be doing much of getting much of a write off on that, you know what I mean? Right. So Yeah. No, just, leasing think, leasing's a great way to own a new car, to be in a new car every, you know, three or four years. It's a great way to, you, you know, the car's new, so it's going to have a minimum amount of repairs needed because, you know, the first few years you don't do a whole lot to a car other than the oil changes. And But, you know, the other thing a lease does is guarantee you have payments forever. And, you know, if you, right. can, buy, if you can buy this car for fifteen grand or whatever right. it is, that's a really good value, and I mean, and even to the point, if you bought it for fifteen, you could probably sell it right back to the dealer for twenty. So, you know, so, um, you know, at, at this point, I would, I would say it's a, I would say because of the the crazy way prices are right now, I would take, I would take advantage of this and and uh, and, and and buy right. out the lease. Well, like I said, you kind of reinforced my thoughts, so I certainly appreciate your your uh, input. And I wish you guys the best. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, tune in. Tune in. The program starts at 10 o'clock on North Shore 1049. Okay. So tune in every Saturday. All right. Take care. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. And I made fun of the Bristol Stomp commercial because I said, you know, I made fun of it. And it's all my fault, Biff. You know, so. You know, you were right uh, there. You, uh, you were right there. You, you were are, right there. You, you are forgiven. That's, you, that's you know your pro. You know your programming. You were absolutely right there. You know how to. You know how to find the listeners. So, see, I'm certainly Jim yeah. from Ubin certainly wouldn't have called. That's, that's right. That's <laughs> right. So we're happy you did. Well, we well, John, we've done it again. Uh, we have. We we have. We've uh, we've killed an hour of people's time. <laughs> Uh, but I want to thank everybody for calling in. I want to thank uh, Jake Navarro from uh, National Grid for calling in and uh, joining us and helping educate us a bit about electric vehicles. So until next week, make sure you drive safely, wear your seatbelt, be good to your car. And if you see an emergency vehicle of any kind by the side of the road doing its job, you know that whether it's a red light, a yellow light, a green light, whatever color your light it is, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.